Hey everyone, I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband Shane. Baby Lou is in bed, the cat is in her room, and we are so glad that you join us for happy hour on this Family Tree Podcast, episode 30. Oh, the big 30. The big three zero. And we're on a bit of a lockdown for episode 30. We are on essentially a total lockdown for episode 30. We are only communicating in person with other self-isolated people. Like completely self-isolated. We are obviously in the midst of the coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic. And things are really scary. They're really fast moving. There's And kind of fun and exciting in a weird you way. Know what? <laughs> we're, we're having a good time as it is. Uh, cheers, Shane. Cruise Edge, non-alcoholic beer. And only 45 calories. It's a win. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of nice to be forced to slow things down and just spend time at home with the family and like not just at home doing chores and things like that but at home killing time and just Mm -hmm. doing things together doing things at a leisurely pace getting chores done there's nothing like a potentially deadly airborne virus to (laughs) open up a little bit of quality family time yeah and you know we have a lot of nesting to do for when betty gets here so again it's a good opportunity it couldn't come in a better time i mean (laughs) we have accepted this we're kind of uh, the self-imposed quarantine we're giving each other like you and i and everyone i know has gone through the four stages of the coronavirus and what are those stages shane i'm glad you asked (laughs) (laughs) yeah the stages are ignorance mm-hmm. so every single person on most things in life you start at ignorance then arrogance okay stage two where it's like ah I, it's a hoax that's that people are exaggerating like it's the media then you go through the, your asshole stage where even if you're kind of believing it you're like ah i'm still going on my trip i don't care i'm <laughs> i'm still doing this thing i it's my birthday i'm just you know you go through that phase and then the last stage and some people get to it sooner than others but i think everyone's going to get there is acceptance Mm -hmm. and i think your ability to get to that last stage depends on what you have on the line yes and how much of a busybody or people person you are Mm -hmm. because if you're more of an introverted person like me and you have a wife who's immunocompromised, who's pregnant, you might get to the stage of acceptance a little bit quicker than a person who's uh, very flamboyant or <laughs> gregarious and Single the or life of the party or, or has like no a, big, a big trip planned. Yeah. It might be hard to get to that phase because you don't have as much to lose or as, uh, as much on the line and you, or you are losing a lot by mm-hmm. missing out on that trip. And this is happening in March break and a lot of people we know, they're teachers. Like you're a teacher. So, your parents were yeah. like seconds away from going on a my trip. My parents, uh, my cousins, my brother would have been out and about even though he wasn't going international. But everybody I knew or worked with was going away. My stepmom and my dad are away in Florida right now. and They're they, cutting their trip short. They're cutting their trip short. And your parents were... Literally, like I was saying, minutes away, do you think? Minutes away. So they were waking up to go to the airport. And they looked at each other and they go, we can't do this Mm -hmm. because it is just not worth it. Because your dad was in the the phase that where you kind of ignore it. And he was like, you know what? Lorna and I are going to go down and just have some fun. But you still have that 
uncomfortable feeling in the back of your head where you're almost like just what if? pretending that it's not there. Yeah. So that is is a hard decision to make. And, you know, some of our friends right now are out partying right now. And to be honest, I was supposed to be in Rochester, New York, mm-hmm. celebrating a diaper party. Until Wednesday. Until Wednesday. I Wednesday, by the way, Wednesday morning, I was in my... Like, I went through ignorance, yeah. I learned about it, then I got arrogant, and I said to you, Alex, I'm still going on that trip. Well, Wednesday, when we were talking about this, you were still going on the trip. Uh, I was at work and making plans for when my students got home after March break, and then you and I were even thinking about taking a quick plane trip to Calgary for my birthday to see a comedy show. We were. We wanted to <laughs> celebrate your birthday. Then we decided, okay, maybe the Calgary flight's a little long, let's mm-hmm. just go... Uh, on a bit of a uh, a trip that's only a couple hours away. Yeah. And then you were telling me, Shane, I'm like, are you sure you want to go to Rochester? And I was like, yes, I'm, I'm positive. Like, it's going to be fine. It's only Rochester. And you were just going to accept me going. But I sit across from a person uh, I, who I also do another podcast with. His name's Mike. And he was kind of an early adapter to this yeah. because someone was in his ear saying, this might be bigger than anyone actually even is thinking about yeah. like people are taking this people are underestimating this let's take it seriously so mike went through the four phases he came to me and it, it started every day i would come around a little bit more and a little bit more and i'm very thankful that he did say all that to me because then i i had you go through the phases mm-hmm. because you were hugely arrogant at one point about how this was just Ear- yeah yeah early, early on mm-hmm. but i mean you came around yeah and then you started getting supplies for us and not hoarding supplies no just getting like literally two to three weeks worth of stuff just so we can kind of hole up for a bit honestly i am so glad that you and Mike were talking and that this was a subject of concern for him because it did made you do a complete 180. And then on Wednesday, you and I were talking on the phone and we were both scared on Wednesday. And when you said, okay, I can't go to Rochester, like that's totally out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then I said, Shane, I think I should go to Fortino's tonight. I think we need groceries tonight. And you said, yeah, do it. So the second school ended I went to the grocery store and I got like extra pasta, pasta sauce, lots of KD. Mr. Noodles. Yeah. yeah, just all that stuff, like big thing of peanut butter, just enough to keep us afloat for a few weeks because even in Italy, grocery stores are still open. And as you'll hear from a caller that we're going to have, they do have measures in place to ensure that people are practicing social distancing. We have an Italian caller coming up. Well, we got exciting callers tonight. Mamma mia. <laughs> You know, I felt so good doing that. And the grocery store was not that busy. It was just like a Saturday afternoon. And we, because of that, avoided the hysteria that's kind of taken yeah. things over. Because the people become another problem. At yeah. first, you're scared of the disease. Then the hysteria reaches a boiling point, And then you're scared of the people. Yeah. Because everyone's all of a sudden, you're, you're punching an old lady in the face over an extra <laughs> roll of toilet paper. And you're just like, what have I become? Yeah. And that's... And we were talking about it on our last pod, how toilet paper should be lower on the uh, totem roll. Totem roll. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, just an uh, improv. <laughs> but uh, thinking of your four stage, Shane, I like that. So Shane was refusing. Don't you think I'm right, though? I do. And yeah. Shane was refusing to tell me these things early. He was like, oh, 
it's uh it's a part of the stages or this person's going through that stage and i was like what are you talking about he goes no can't can't tell you we'll talk about it on the podcast but you and i have entered this terrible stage that i'm in with my friend mike at work where we always say save it for the pod which is kind of fun and funny when it's at your workplace, but it's with your wife, it's very awkward <laughs> it, to be just silent, like chop making uh, lunch for the next and day not in only silence. That it's like not even like we're at our two workplaces for the day and only holding things back for a short amount of time. We are now in quarantine together and holding yeah. things yeah. back. Yeah, so you'd be mentioning something to me, I'd be like, "Oh, save for the pod." <laughs> it's just silence. But uh, yeah, my. The beginning of my four stages, like when this was just a problem in Wuhan, not even all of China. I remember walking around with another supply teacher. Uh, we were doing supervision and I said, he asked me what I thought about all of this. And I go, oh, don't worry about it. Like, you know, this is just going to be a Chinese thing. It's like chopsticks. It's fine. And uh, then he goes, really? Because I'm, I'm very worried about it because he has underlying health conditions. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, well, I have underlying health conditions too. But at that time, I truly was ignorant and I was arrogant. And I did not think that it would be a global problem. And yeah, now we're... I, as no one did. Everyone thinks it's funny until they don't, right? And that's yeah. with so many things. Like, And a lot of people if they're kind of smart or kind of take on a leadership role in real life, mm -hmm. they're either going to be on the forefront of it or they're going to be very reluctant and fight yeah. against it. And they're too prideful to change their mind or admit that they're wrong. So I'm finding with some of my friends that were at the phase of me making fun of it have kind of held their stance for like a little bit too long. Proving a point. And it's kind of like, you know what? Maybe they're right. Maybe yeah. in three days this will be turn out to be a hoax or something. Well, which side of history would you rather be on? I'd rather be on the overly cautious side and be wrong than the alternative. Absolutely. Well, because just say it wasn't going to be as bad as it could be. It still claimed the lies, lives sorry, of thousands of people and infected mm -hmm. tens of thousands of people. So already it's so worth taking preventative measures for. That's yeah. the thing. And if the numbers stay down, it's because we are taking these measures and they're working. And mm -hmm. I have friends that were out at bars last night and they said in our chat group, oh, well, we're at a bar with so-and-so. I don't know how smart this is. And I was like, yeah, it's not smart at all. The government and the minister of health is asking us not of to go not. out. But you know what? We can't blame them. Just because we went through our phase. Yeah. Like, if I was <laughs> single, if I didn't like being home as much if i wasn't an introvert i might be fighting it for yeah. a couple more days like we seem so smart right now mm -hmm. and on our high horse because right now we feel like we've kind of went through all the stages yeah. but literally three days ago we were the exact no, opposite we were with them and things take a bit for everyone figures out this at their own pace even what was it yesterday or two days ago your parents were i know well on the day that we decided we needed to take measures ourselves that was the day that we had the first case in our city and now there are several cases in our city um 22 more were this morning no that's just in ontario mm. but uh three more were confirmed to be in our city as of about 40 minutes ago one of them being a three-month-old baby Right. And it's just, it's scary. And I know that kids uh, for this illness aren't as badly or severely as affected as adults are. But any three-month-old baby going through any kind of illness is scary as hell. It's scary as hell. And like we brought Lucy 
when she was about three months old to the hospital because she had a stuffy nose and new parents it's it's so easy to freak out over those things these things especially if it's a part of the pandemic okay you wanted me to mention pp is that a thing are we still no at, at the very end at the very end okay um <coughs> cut that out <laughs> i'm fine i swear actually i don't know but no you would have pres- like <clears throat> you never know you never know this is scary so uh just letting people know mm-hmm. this is obviously going to be a bit of a covoid heavy episode a covoid how do i i can't say anything right you know that <laughs> What is hey, it? So if Shane, I was trying hard. Here, I know if Shane uh, tries to call it coronavirus, he says Kenora virus, which is Kenora is a place in Ontario. Uh, and if you try to say COVID nineteen, you always say COVID. 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 Okay. COVID nineteen. I'm becoming my father as everyone <laughs> becomes their parents, and my dad can't get anything straight, and neither can I in terms of names. So COVID nineteen. This is obviously going to be a bit of a themed episode, so we're going to be talking to someone from, not from Italy, they're actually from our hometown of Hamilton, yeah. but they've been living in Italy since 2015. and In the heart of Rome. In the heart of Rome, so they're kind of dealing with what we could be dealing with yes. in about three weeks' time from now, which hopefully it doesn't get to that. Yeah. But it's, it's going to be a lot of insight into maybe uh, what could happen, and we're going to see how she got there, mm-hmm. and uh, if it's as bad as it seems even. Absolutely. And what's her name? Uh, her name is Alessandra Gage. So she works for the UN. And like you said, Shane, she's been there since 2015. So her and I touched base because a few days ago, she messaged me and she says, Hey, Alex, just let you know, I have been putting up some videos through my stories that I think you'd be interested in checking out. I'm just trying to bring people the reality of what's happening in Italy because I have so many friends and family in Hamilton. I want to be a source of information. So I went and checked them out and uh, they were great and it enlightened me. So we were so happy to get her on here to yeah, share information with all of you. Yeah, We've already done the call. Yep. So we already know it's a good one. <laughs> well, it, it's interesting because, it you know, sometimes you try to give leading questions because you think you know the answer and then it's like, no, 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 or it's a little, yep. it's a little less serious or it's a little more serious about certain things. Yeah. Okay, so let's call her now. Let's call her now. Hello. Alessandra, I'm so happy that we were connected okay. Yeah, it's great. So we were just giving the listeners a bit of an intro. So you are from Hamilton, correct? Yes, I'm from Hamilton. And you're currently living in Rome. Um, I knew you worked for the UN, but what do you do exactly? So I work as an environmental and uh, social safeguard specialist, Mm -hmm. usually on climate change and water projects. Basically, in simple terms, I work with a number of financing institutions that do investment projects in developing countries like the World Bank. And we try to bring best practices into those projects. Okay. So I speak with communities, see whether or not the project can be improved, etc. And that's, I think, the simple version. And how long have you been living in Italy for? I've been in Italy now since 2015, December 2015. So just over four years. Oh my goodness. So do you, do you feel like you are a part of that culture? And So I, I am half Italian, actually, because my mom was was born in Rome and she grew up in in Italy although she never spoke Italian to me 
so I feel somewhat a part of the culture. I've been here long enough now that I'm quite comfortable with it. But I would say it is a love-hate relationship with the city. A lot of people are surprised <laughs> about that, but it's um, it's the reality. And I do, there are many times I miss Canada. And do you think you'd be coming home anytime soon? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. I might actually, but it, it depends on work. So uh, in regards to what's happening now with COVID-19 and uh, Italy being the, you know, kind of the epicenter of the Western world. Can you kind of just give us an idea of what daily life is like there right now? Because here in North America and specifically in Canada, uh, we are where you guys were three weeks ago. So we are in the beginning phase. Well, what was it like over there three weeks ago? Yeah. Well, so this is what I actually find quite interesting because I'm so I, my family is still in Hamilton, mm-hmm. and I get I get messages from them about how there's like no toilet paper and people are <laughs> trying to rush out to get non-perishables, and mm-hmm. I'm thinking, wow, you know, Italy, Italy wasn't quite like that. So we have been under lockdown this mm-hmm. this past week, and it's gotten progressively more extreme. So it started out where you were basically told to social dis- like socially distance yourself. Right. You stay at least a meter away from people. You don't congregate. When were you guys told to start socially distancing? That was just about a week and a half ago, but then it became law. So if I go outside, I need to carry a piece of paper on me and my ID because then the police will check if I'm actually going to the grocery store. Right. And so I'm only supposed to leave the house if it's for basic necessities like food, going to the pharmacy. If you have a dog, you can walk your dog mm-hmm. and things like that. So even with work, all work organizations, mine included, have basically t- been told, let your staff telework. And if you can't, then you have to carry a special paper that says, they're not able to telework, this is the situation, etc. But it's gotten progressively stricter. Mm-hmm. So basically, it started out just with the social distancing and saying, this is what we should be doing. And then on the Sunday night, what happened was all of the restrictions which had been given to Lombardia, which is a region up in the north of Italy, mm-hmm. where where most of the cases were, that region is, I guess, like, it would be fair to say one of the wealthiest regions. It has more of the um, health services at uh, a good sort of functioning capacity. And when they were struggling with the numbers, the government decided, okay, we have to expand the measures all across. Because on Saturday, they said they would be creating these red zones where nobody could leave unless they had like a valid reason. Um, So anyone who was in Milan, anyone who was in Lombardia would be told you can't go south, even if you, you know, unless you have a very specific reason. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people tried to escape on a train in the middle of the night Mm -hmm. on that Saturday night before the law came into effect the next day. And when that happened, the government then just decided, all right, we quarantine the whole country. So... It's Yeah, it's been a little bit odd. And it's difficult, I think, with morale because sometimes you go from one set of restrictions and then every single day it's been getting tougher. Mm-hmm. Like they initially it was just the social distancing and you could go outside for a little bit of th- like a few things like exercise. Mm-hmm. Now it's police checking all the time. You have to carry your papers. It feels a bit 
like um, a movie, I'll yeah. be honest, and zombie streets, like completely dead. Yeah. So you think we're doing a lot better than Italy was three weeks ago? I would say that I'm actually, I don't think that. I think no. that in terms of Canada's response, it's been better in terms of acting quickly mm -hmm. uh, in suggesting, okay, schools close down for at least another two weeks after March break, um, a lot of workplaces going to teleworking, universities doing, uh, you know, distance learning. But what I think is not so good is the panic yes. mm -hmm. that seems at least, uh, and maybe I've got it wrong, but that's what it looks like from over here. Whereas actually on this end, there's been a lot of confusion mm -hmm. about what the laws are and what the rules are. However, people aren't panicking in the same way. We're, the, the shelves are getting low on stock, but we have people actually lining up, respecting the distance of one meter. Mm -hmm. They're going to the grocery stores as needed. They're not buying literally all the toilet paper. Right. It's less yeah. of a Black Friday vibe than it is uh, over here, I guess. Yeah, and I find it so ironic because if in Canada everyone's rushing to get stuff, you actually put yourself at more risk mm -hmm. yeah. because you're suddenly really close together. The disease almost right now is the, the people. Like we're more worried about the yeah. people creating a shortage than the disease actually uh, yeah. affecting people's health. And uh, Shane and I were talking this morning even about how, like, look, like just this morning, so Saturday, we had 22 more confirmed cases in Ontario, so in our province alone. And honestly, like, we think it has so much to do with people all mm -hmm. running out and meeting each other in supermarkets and that huge close contact. And that is scary. Like, the panic doesn't just lead to so many economic problems and social problems, but it also leads to more spread. I wonder why the grocery stores aren't putting restrictions on the amount of, yeah. like, high-value items, or at least what people think are high-value items, like toilet paper. Exactly. And, and the interesting thing is we put ourselves sort of into a situation that is kind of akin to, you know, when you're under rationing times, mm -hmm. when people mm -hmm. say, okay, each, one, each person, each family has a quota of the yeah. amount of... Uh, Paper you could and it's I mean when I go grocery shopping, I have to not only bring my papers and my ID and stay one meter away, but they only let a few people into the grocery store yeah. at, at a time. So we have lineups down streets, but like with with one meter right. between each person, it looks uh, so interesting. Smart. But in Canada, the photos I've seen seem to indicate everyone's like just clamoring rushing together, together. Yeah. and we have rules about you know you have to wear gloves yes we can't touch produce without wearing gloves that there are a lot of rules that have been put in place and with italy i think at the beginning not everyone took it seriously mm -hmm. and so even just recently as of last night they put in another order saying that all parks will be closed right which was really hard for people who, you know, have dogs, who have kids, where they want to just take them out for a quick walk with mm -hmm. nobody around. But because they found that some people would still try to, you know, congregate. Mm -hmm. And you really do need to be separate Kid, from the people. parks and things like that. Like, we have a little swing set in our backyard, which we're so grateful for. Um, but parks scare me because little kids, I mean, they don't get affected by it the same way adults do. But they're they're spreaders, and I have I have um, friends and mom groups and things that want to meet up. And in my head, that just seems like a quick way to spread things. But I want to ask you: when you do go out to the grocery stores or to the pharmacy, are, like, is there any fear 
for like the regular Italian for you? As in, do I sense that other people are scared? Yeah, or like you yourself, like do you get scared kind of going out? So I personally haven't been scared, not because I don't think the situation isn't serious. I think it mm -hmm. is very serious. And I've had instances based on the type of work I do and the situations I'm in that I was really concerned whether or not I had come down with COVID-19 mm -hmm. uh, because I did, I came back from Vietnam and Thailand. I had a fever. I had a cough. Oh I, God. you know, but, but the, the health system only has the capacity to test people who have extreme symptoms right now right. because we're so at capacity, um, over capacity actually. So when I go out, my thought is this, I am generally young and, and healthy. So there, and there's not much I can do about it besides what I'm doing, mm -hmm. which is staying at home, socially distancing in the few instances where I do have to go out, keeping my spirits up as much as possible in different ways. And in fact, in about five minutes, a lot of people will be taking to their windows to sort of yes. sing and play music to kind of lift people's spirits. And you're going to let us hear that. Yes. I mean, I'm hoping that my neighborhood will do it. <laughs> we, did it last, we did it yesterday. We did it yesterday. I'm hoping they'll do it again. Well, we can see um, what your singing voice is like. Oh, uh, well, yeah. We, <laughs> we could see. It's in Italian, though. The song they're doing is Azzurro. And as, does everyone like have a job where they, if they don't have a, a job where they can get paid from home, or are some people just still staying home and just not getting paid? This is the incredibly heartbreaking thing. And it's the, the, I think the hardest part of this quarantine for me was just before it started, mm -hmm. was that were the few days where we had progressive measures getting more and more drastic, but you could see what happened. And basically they came out saying, initially it was all bars had to close and mm -hmm. then restaurants could only be open 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. But for Italians who eat dinner late, which mm -hmm. is most of the population, that meant that most restaurants had to close. Right. And all of those people in the service industry, so many of their businesses are just dying and they have no other source of income. People who work as cleaners, people who work in bars and restaurants. And now as of Wednesday, the government said all stores in total shut down with mm -hmm. the exception of supermarkets and pharmacies. So you guys have more practice than we do at this point at staying inside and trying to find ways to bide the time and keep your spirits up. So is are you doing anything that you could, you know, recommend to people So here? aside from pulling an all-nighter to finish a work report that I had to do, because <laughs> um, that filled up the time quite well, uh, I'm a horrible procrastinator. Mm. I've been, I have a guitar, so I play guitar. I've been taking the time to do a lot of online uh, workouts as well. It's been really sweet. People come together in really funny ways when you're put in these extreme situations. And a number of people who offer, you know, fitness classes, yoga, etc. They're just doing these open online free classes. That's amazing. So yeah, there's lots of, I've taken the time also to say, hey, this is a book I want to do. The, it's the room that I always wanted to reorganize and never got a chance to. Right. And are you naturally uh, an introverted person or an extrovert? I would say I'm naturally extroverted. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's especially tough for you then. Well, this is the thing. I actually haven't found it tough yet. Maybe mm. if you ask me in <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> but what I find is that people do reach out 
I'm, I'm an extrovert, but I also quite enjoy, you know, having my time at home and I like my place, which makes it easier because I'm, I'm in a spot where I'm not on the ground floor. So I'm in a condo that has some air that has some light. If I was in a basement apartment, I would go completely stir crazy. It'd be very, very difficult. Yeah. How how much longer do you foresee this going on? Or is that just impossible to even throw a guess or prediction? Well, for sure, it's until April 3rd. Okay. The, the entire uh, the entire country has this lockdown until April third. Okay, they're starting to go to the windows. I can okay. see oh, the flags. I'll see if I can open up my. Well, I don't know if it'll catch in the microphone. Let's let's see. So is it, is this like a national song? So what they've done is because everyone has been super uh, sad. I think about mm-hmm. all the restrictions that came in. They decided to organize a flash mob. And they basically blast people in different apartments, blast this music, and they pick a song a night. (laughs) Yesterday, it was the national anthem. Today, it's a song that I'm less familiar with. Mambo number five, maybe? (laughs) Uh, Here we go. Here. Okay, they're starting. I don't know if you'll be able to hear because it's on a different balcony. But yeah, people are just coming out to their windows and they're starting to sing. Well, I can kind of hear it, yeah. Oh, I can hear that. Alessandra, you should uh, take a quick video for us uh, when we let you go and uh, and send that our way. We'd love to see it. Sure. We'd love to sure. see it. Sure. Um, but thank you. I, I think that... Can you hear? Yeah, I can. Yeah. And that's through oh, my that's cool. really tiny iPhone microphone. So That's very cool. Yeah, thank you for that. No problem. I'll try to take a video and, and send it Yeah, later. and then, then we'll use that because that, that'll probably have better audio. Yeah. No, thank you so much. And uh, we love the Italian spirit. We love mm-hmm. uh, how every this honestly, just thinking about you guys doing this, like making me teary. Mm-hmm. But I got teary last night when we did the yeah. flash mob. I'll be honest. Everyone singing the national anthem together on balconies was pretty touching. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Well, thank you so, so much for uh, your time and wishing you all the best, just (laughs) biding your time doing those at-home workouts and uh, just be safe. Thank you. You too. And uh, try to keep your chin up. Just keep the level of panic down. I think that's the key. Yeah. Yeah, Big time. That's a good message for everyone. Thank you so much. Have a a good day. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. So as you could see, we didn't want to leave Alessandra on the line with us. We wanted her to be able to enjoy the one moment of unity that Italians have in the day, which honestly, I did start crying. And uh, then even after when she and I were talking about it, I was I was tearing up again because I think it's so amazing when people come together like that. However, uh, Alessandra messaged us not long after just because she was concerned about if she covered everything. So there are a few things that she really wanted to highlight the first being that the experience of the isolation or I guess the enforced quarantine has actually brought communities together in so many unexpected ways so like through the flash mobs which you're seeing now people on their balconies uh, finding creative ways to keep businesses going and having group aperitivos over Skype and Zoom so that's having your (laughs) having your uh, before dinner drink together with friends over Skype or something what did I say? Having group aperitivo. Oh, I kind of said it with an accent now. What did you say before? Just say it slower. Aperitivo. Oh, nice. That sounded nice. <laughs> um, Is it weird that I'm aroused right now? Oh, 
I'm, I'm kind of flattered. I'm kidding. Oh. <laughs> oh, I was honestly flattered. Okay, so secondly, sorry, now my head is a little bit <laughs> flustered and I'm feeling hot myself. But she said, prior to the lockdown, most pharmacies and grocery stores did indeed run low on hand sanitizer and masks, but not toilet paper. Currently, shelves aren't always full, but they're still fairly consistent and nobody is racing to buy groceries all at once. This is partly, as you know from the call and as you'll see from a video that she has sent us that I'm going to be posting up, there are law enforcement officers. Is that the right word? There are policemen, I guess, or government officials. Pigs. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> monitoring um, when you can go inside a grocery store, how far apart you need to be on the streets waiting to get in the grocery store. So it's very interesting. She wanted to emphasize uh, for us Canadians that might be going through a more severe quarantine in the oncoming weeks. There are so many things that you can do at home regardless of the size of your house and many online service providers that are actually recognizing that and offering assistance like free deliveries, you know, online courses. Our friends are doing online music lessons through their band. So that's really neat. And then she said that for her, day-to-day life is still less social, but absolutely still manageable. She's taking the time to reduce her on-screen hours, start projects that she didn't have time for before, learn new things, and points out that having moments of boredom is definitely a privilege. So we should make the most out of it and allow ourselves to kind of become refreshed. Mm -hmm. And you and I are definitely in that frame of mind. Like we have so many house projects that we want to Mm -hmm. get finished in this time. We want to start nesting. Like we want to do painting. We want to clean up the basement. Just get things organized for Betty. It is still difficult though because with Lou in the home, it's easy to underestimate how much time she takes up and i haven't been around lou a ton so i'm trying to make i'm trying to play with lou a lot and we're having a lot of fun running around Well, she's obsessed with you right now every two seconds if you're not in the room she's calling your name and trying to find you well because she loves hide and seek right now (laughs) and she likes hiding with you and then pushing me away and And then having me come find her she goes daddy 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 So yeah, (laughs) she's only obsessed with me being as far away from her as possible so I can come find her. And then she gets very irate when I do find her (laughs) and will push me out of the area only to play the game uh, again and again. But Uh, and also I'm finding the news very distracting. Of course, of course. I'm I'm like in that refresh mode where I'm always looking for the next thing Mm -hmm. because now I'm addicted to like fighting the cause or finding new information to like tell someone like look how bad this is <laughs> whereas before i was on the opposite side of the fence yeah well because you didn't, you didn't want to know you didn't want to hear it because you didn't want it to impede on your own freedoms but like we've said before you know our personal freedoms don't matter when it comes to well-being of others and I that's always the bottom that. line uh that's my bit of my uh, catchphrase you're stealing there <laughs> that and auga. another thing that uh, alessandra said was that yes the restrictions happening in italy are quite severe but she's supportive of them mm-hmm. which i think most italians are that i've spoken to that i follow because they just so understand the community that they're protecting which i think we need to bring here lastly she says the heartbreaking elephant in the room is how this has killed the economy for those that need it most so the service industry and don't have the luxury from working at home lots of small and medium-sized businesses are going under or risk going under 
uh, which highlights just how dire the situation is. The government made a decision that would knowingly kill the country's economy because they felt that the hit would be weaker than the hit of COVID-19 spreading further. And this just shows the difficult decisions our government officials are going through right now. And it truly is tragic. I have two sets of friends who do own their own businesses. One set own a restaurant about 15 minutes away from us. And then my other good friends own a chiropractic clinic in Rochester, New York. And just thinking about they can't afford to shut down the restaurants or give their workers paid sick leave because they're not big businesses. And this is going to be such a scary time. And I I do feel for them so much. But it's it's almost like if you don't do this, it's like the short term pain could be mitigated exactly but if you just ignore it and you're like well i i I can't shut my bar down because i i need to make money and if i don't make the weekend then i'm screwed it's like this could spread and spread until your whole year's messed up exactly so and that's why it's so important for those people that are going out if you know somebody going out tell them to stay the hell inside because it's not worth it for anybody you need to think of and we can't we can't think of extreme lengths of time like people are like seems like the end of the world like what am i just gonna do stop my life from living it's like no what we're asking for is a week or two Mm -hmm. so people can get proper systems in place for the sick and maybe they'll figure out also better methods for the healthy so they can interact with the world right now it's just a colossal clusterfuck and people are scrambling to figure out a plan and we're trying to allow people time to come up with those plans yeah And that's what people don't understand. They think it's feast or famine. But no, there's a healthy middle ground with everything. No, that was very well said. And um, my sentiments, exactly. We need to do what we can now. And again, this is why I feel so strongly about people practicing social distancing and staying inside so that we do minimize the overall impact. Because Mm -hmm. it it does have the potential to get very bad. And again, I am speaking from a position, you two, of uh, maybe realizing that more than other people because I am pregnant and I'm high risk. But you'd think that with that knowledge of even me, our friends would still even Mm -hmm. get that because they're like, oh, I actually know somebody who could die from this. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I find you and I in life, we're kind of centrist a little bit. Absolutely, I think so. Whereas... A lot of people have a hard time admitting they're dumb at something. Mm -hmm. For me, I'm just smart enough to admit that I'm dumb, which allows me to let people who are actually experts in particular fields explain things to me like I'm a child. Mm -hmm. And for me to accept that information and say, I knew zero about that. Now I'm going to go and help tell other people to take in the same information. And because we can admit that we're dumb and we only make our decisions based on what people smarter than mm-hmm. us say, uh, we want to bring in our next guest, our next yes. caller. Well, who- we've already set it up. <laughs> yeah. no. So uh- I guess let's throw to that setup because when you, when you. Oh, intro- yeah, we already did set it up. So, yeah, let's go to that intro. Okay, so who is next, Alex? All right, we've got Chelsea Elwood, and she is a high-risk OB on the west coast of Canada, and she was the first author on a series of updated guidelines for pregnant women in the face of the COVID-19 pandemic. So for the Society of Obstetricians and Gynecologists of Canada, her and other MDs 
wrote the series of guidelines, you can find it at SOGC.org. Wow. And we are going to be writing, asking her, sorry, Mm -hmm. a few questions. So this person uh, not only knows the guidelines, they literally wrote the guidelines. She wrote the guidelines. So she is on the forefront of the COVID-19 pandemic in regards to pregnancy. Okay. And she's actually calling right now. So we're going to answer and uh, hit it up. Hello, Chelsea. Hey, how's it going? Very good. Thank you so much for taking our call today. So I'm here with my husband, Shane. Hello. Hi. (laughs) Nice to meet you on phone. Yes, likewise. (laughs) Uh, Chelsea, it's been a long time uh, since I've seen you in person, but you are such a trustworthy source, and we're so happy to know somebody that's on the front lines of all of this that's going on. Uh, So if we could just jump right into it, uh, if that's all right with you. Yeah, can you hear me okay? Because I am driving. Yeah, perfect, actually. You're you're good? Okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, are pregnant women more susceptible to COVID-19? Because when it comes to flu, typically we are, right? So I've been seeing a lot of conflicting media reports in regards to this specific coronavirus. Right. So one of the challenges is that we have, uh, as we progress through this epidemic to pandemic, is we have very little data on pregnancy specific uh, mm-hmm. to COVID-19 and SARS-CoV-2 infection. And so we draw on our historical experience with respiratory infections. And historically, pregnant women have done disproportionately unwell with respiratory infections, such as influenza, as you mentioned, uh, the Spanish flu, SARS. Mm -hmm. So as we have been watching the uh, epidemic and pandemic progress, we're gathering more and more information. At this point in time, we haven't seen the same disproportionate morbidity and mortality for pregnant women as we did with SARS, as we did with H1N1, as we did with Spanish flu. Mm-hmm. But it's very early and there's very few case reports in pregnancy. So we're always cautious as we look at this type of data and follow these things. At this moment in time, we can't say that pregnant women are disproportionately affected, but really it's very early to be able to say for sure. All right. How should pregnant women then protect themselves if we do want to be extra cautious? So to be absolutely honest with you, it's the same recommendations as for anyone. Uh, So you should practice good hand washing is the number one thing. And I know people are sick and tired of us telling (laughs) you that. Um, But that is the number one thing is to practice good hand washing. Don't touch your face. Avoid people who are sick. The same basic principles apply. There's uh, nothing unique that you need to do differently in pregnancy. Um, it's really the same core principles of infection control, wash your hands, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so my wife, Alex, who you're speaking with now, <laughs> she has lupus. So should I, as somebody who might be required to go in to work on Monday, which I haven't heard word uh, what what the regulation on that is going to be, should I, no matter what, abstain from going into the office? Um, so at this point in time, we can't make those recommendations. Mm-hmm. Basically, I would encourage you to have good practices. A lot of right. workplaces are recommending that if you can work from home, you should work from home, those kinds of things. That will be unique to your work situation. Mm-hmm. You should wash your hands. You should avoid people who are sick, okay. the same types of things. Like most illnesses in general, whether it's influenza, whether it's H1N1, whether it's COVID-19, all of them, if you have an underlying medical illness, you are more predisposed to, to having higher disease severity, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, but when you're not in an outbreak area, there's no specific recommendations other than the usual things. Mm-hmm. Wash your hands, okay. don't touch your face, that kind of thing. And and if I was to contract COVID, heaven forbid, would and they say uh, to be in isolation, what 
does isolation actually look like? Would that mean I need to go to another place? Like, do I have to go to a hotel? Do I isolate myself within my own home? Or how would I handle that? Yeah, so the best place to gather that information, and it will be dependent on the the caregivers involved in your care, what Mm -hmm. recommendations they make based on how well or unwell you are. Um, But your public health uh, authorities in Ontario, just like the public health authorities in B.C., have specific guidelines and recommendations that are easily accessible at line, uh, online, which will outline exactly what is recommended from an infection control perspective uh, for quarantine if you are affected. Right. And so now thinking about newborns, because uh, again, there have been conflicting reports that I've been hearing about how well children handled this. So what is the risk of COVID-19 to newborns? If you're a pregnant woman, woman listening right now uh, who is thinking about might give birth in the next few weeks or few months? So we actually had a really long think about this when we wrote the guideline that was just published on Friday. Mm-hmm. And we looked at both our historical information for this type of virus and the current information for this pandemic. And at this point in time, there's no evidence of what we call vertical transmission. And vertical transmission means in utero transmission from mom to baby or during the delivery process. Mm-hmm. So we have not seen any cases of vertical transmission uh, at this point in time. This particular family of viruses is not known to transmit vertically, unlike some other viruses, right. uh, which people are familiar with, like HIV and other viruses, which do transmit vertically. And so at this point in time, we can't say that there's any evidence of vertical transmission uh, from mum to baby. Okay, and then as things progress and as we get more information, we may change that. I mean, we're mm-hmm. doing this hour to hour, of course. but right now, we don't see any evidence of that. So if a, if a woman does uh, contract the illness and then gives birth, what precautions does she has, have to take like around her baby, even if the baby doesn't have it? Like, is she able to breastfeed? Can she be close and like a close caregiver for her baby? Yeah, so the first thing is mom's wellness. So any decision making will be made in the context of the mom and the baby and the family. It really depends on how well or unwell mom is to start. So if she is able to care for her newborn infant, then we are not recommending isolation at this point in time from the newborn. Mm -hmm. Um, And then breastfeeding is a personal decision. There are lots of women who choose not to breastfeed for other reasons. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at this point in time, based on the case evidence we have, there's no evidence of breastfeeding transmission nor evidence the virus in breast milk so breastfeeding uh, breastfeeding is an option for women who choose to do that we recommend a mask and get hand washing prior to breastfeeding so that's kind of where we're at from that perspective with the information that we have at this point in time with newborns okay so one big fear for me i guess is pregnancy prevents us from taking effective flu medications like just to deal with you know common cold common flu but what happens if we do get a more severe form of COVID-19 and we must take medications. Like, how how might that affect the baby? Yeah, so whenever we look at these type of things, the number one thing you need to know is that if you have a sick mom, you have the potential for a sick baby. And so treating mom is the number one thing, Mm -hmm. right? And that doesn't matter what the disease is. If it's, you know, kidney failure, if it's heart failure, if it's, COVID, if it's influenza, you have to treat the mom. Whenever we're prescribing to pregnant women, we use good prescribing practices. So we use the medications with the safest amount of information, the largest body of data, and make recommendations that way. 
at this point in time, the therapy for COVID-19 is actually supportive. There's no targeted or directed therapies. Mm -hmm. I can tell you that some of the therapies they're looking at are already known to be safe in pregnancy. Whether they're effective or not for COVID-19 is another conversation. But certainly some of the early trials are in medications that we already have safety data for in pregnancy. But at the end of the day, if you're asking me if I would withhold the treatment because I don't have data on uh, that in that particular treatment in order to save mom's life, I would recommend saving mom's life. Yeah, always. Yeah. So for me personally, I have lupus, so I'm immunocompromised. So Shane and I and our daughter Lucy, we are we're keeping isolated. Like we're not leaving our house, and the only people we're really going to be in contact with are like our parents or possibly Shane's parents who are also not leaving their homes. And I have other listeners who have preeclampsia at this point in their pregnancy. So what are the risks of contracting this coronavirus if you are already immunocompromised or have like something like preeclampsia? So for example, preeclampsia, I have no data to say that that's going to predispose you to getting COVID uh, more readily than someone who doesn't have Mm -hmm. it. It biologically doesn't make sense for that to be the case. Mm -hmm. It would be the pregnancy in and of itself that may or may not, and it doesn't look like at this point in time, predisposes to getting uh, SARS-CoV-2. And so as I chatted about, anyone who has an underlying medical condition is at higher risk of complications from any disorder. Mm -hmm. So we would look at those. So I just can't specifically say, for example, in your case, uh, whether your underlying medical disorder is going to predispose you to a worse outcome because I simply don't have that data. But just good medicine says that you're at slightly higher risk of an adverse outcome and morbidity and mortality compared to someone who is perfectly healthy. Yeah, because I think the fear <clears throat> with uh, people in my situation and like the, with the women with preeclampsia that I was speaking to is the fear of losing the baby and, you know, possibly early labor, things like that. Well, I think that there, you know, there is a risk inherent to having preeclampsia. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with COVID-19. Yeah. And so I, it the higher risk will be from the preeclampsia and not COVID-19, certainly in Canada. Okay. And lastly, is it safe? So again, for a lot of the high-risk listeners that we have, concerned about going to their appointments in hospital settings. Obviously, we need to be continuing contact with our doctors, but is it safe to continue to go to these appointments and are there extra precautions we should be taking when entering uh, the hospitals? So I can only speak to what specific infection control practices we've implemented here in BC Mm -hmm. uh, because those type of recommendations are provincially driven. So, for example, I can't tell you exactly how things are going in Manitoba or Ontario. I can tell you that, generally speaking, the Canadian approach is very similar. Yeah. But we actually at hospitals, are we're pre-screening all appointments and pre-screening all patients. So we're asking patients who have symptoms and have a travel history that's appropriate for the symptoms to stay home unless their appointment is urgent. And so there is a pre-screening process that's going on in our hospitals prior to your appointment, uh, which should reduce the, the number of patients who present with possible risk for infection. And then when you arrive at our hospital, for example, there are posters on the wall. You are triaged differently if you have respiratory infection type symptoms. You're you know, given a mask immediately. You're put into a, a single occupancy room. So we all have triage processes mm-hmm. in place to try and minimize the risk of, of infection and um, cross-infection between patients. So that specific recommendation and what's happening specifically in your region is region specific, Mm -hmm. but I would expect across the country for some sort of protocols to be implemented. Okay. You couldn't accurately say if it is more of a risk to be in a hospital than not, just everyone's doing their best to minimize those risks. 
Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And then, so again, uh, from our perspective, so we're minimizing our risks. I mean, I'm a teacher, so I'm not going in until April 6th as it is anyway. And then Shane is going to try to work at home if he can, but he has to hear back from his company. Other than that, we are just not going outside, really. Like, mm-hmm. we're going outside to play on our yard, but uh, we are not meeting with other people. We're not going to shops. And some people think that we are taking an extreme measure. We don't feel that it's extreme. From your perspective, do you think that we're overdoing it, or do you think that this is, and again, considering that I do have lupus, do you think that is, you know, kind of a normal thing that we're doing? I think that risk is a personal perception. Yeah. And you know, I can, we can only tell you what we would recommend, which is good hand washing. There's no reason for you not to go walk the dog, go yeah. out, those type of things. But, you know, risk is your own personal perception. You have to sort of think about what your thoughts are on that. And so if you choose to take and implement those practices, then you choose to implement those practices. I can't recommend one over the other. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Well, Chelsea, Jeez. thank you so much. We know how busy you must be right now uh, for coming on the line with us. And just helping to figure stuff out because, again, there is so much misinformation. So we do appreciate uh, hearing from your expert perspective. So we will also be updating the uh, SOGC guideline fairly frequently. We're in daily conversations about this. So if Mm -hmm. there's any different changes or things that come up or more data that comes up, we certainly will be updating our recommendation as we go through this. And what's the best uh, place to get those recommendations and updates from? Straight, the SOGC website, so the okay. Society of Obstetricians and Gynecologists of Canada, uh, is our governing body. Okay. And there is a committee called the Infectious Disease Committee, and it's a group of obstetricians who have infectious disease training who sit down and look at these type of questions through a pregnancy lens and make recommendations. Mm-hmm. And so we use that as an avenue for knowledge translation and dissemination of recommendations specific to pregnancy. Perfect. Okay. So it's just a website. There's not a Twitter or an Instagram that does certain updates by the minute or anything. To be absolutely honest with you, I think there probably is. I'm just not very good at those things, so I can't tell you what they are offhand. I have a very, very low profile from a social media perspective. Gotcha. So I expect that they probably have Twitter and all that stuff sorted out. I just don't. Alrighty. So people can just do a simple Google search and find that out for themselves. All right. All right. Absolutely. Chelsea, drive safe. Thank you so much again. We really appreciate it. Okay. Take care. All right. You too. See ya. Wow, we are very thankful, lucky, grateful to have her on the line because honestly, that's who you should be listening to is the experts. You'll notice she didn't really give her opinion because she's not interested in in giving out opinions. It's all about facts and she's kind of just saying where they're at right now. And that was what I found so interesting about the talk too because her, the entire Ministry of Health, and you'll see this in Canada and the States, They can only speak to what has happened so far and like Chelsea said, history and related viruses because not much has happened with COVID-19 as it is. We don't have that much information, especially for our demographic, which are pregnant women. And sometimes that's not satisfying for people because you'll notice a lot of the answers she kind of she couldn't provide a defined thing. But your buddy, who's kind of like the smart leader of the group, he might have some defined answers for you that are probably total bullshit, right? But at least it's an answer. So we want to believe this very confident, almost Trumpian type of personality because that makes us feel a little bit more at ease than to someone saying, well, we don't know yet, but there's statistical data on another virus that may not have the same outcome as this. So it's kind of like throw your hands in the air and you can either choose to play on the safer side like us or 
just go out and party because who cares? <laughs> the world's ending and I don't have any kids anyway, right? So it's two ideologies. No, absolutely. Um, but I am so grateful to have been able to ask her some of the questions that have kind of been burning in my head too. And yeah, it, it, it makes me feel good about what we're doing. Ditto, hun. Now, do we go to the end questions? Because I feel like... Well, we don't have questions for us today. We have questions for uh, the OBs that we spoke you to. You told me throughout the week before COVID even hit the airwaves that we had questions. People were sending you questions. With- we do plan uh, throughout this quarantine period to do some mini podcasts to keep people entertained. So we will take the listener questions to our first mini. And we have actually something really important to discuss right now. What's that, Alex? <laughs> that is the next season of The Bachelor. Well, why don't we just talk about that on the next mini pod then? Because I think we need a little levity in this one, no? But they might want it on the next one. This is just so everyone's like, I need my COVID Im- information. Okay. okay. So I guess, hey, that was your COVID update. We hope that was entertaining. Well, I guess it was just informative. Very informative, but I, I hope entertaining. I, I like to think that's why people still listen to us after 30 episodes, which we are so grateful for and so happy that you guys do find what we talk about entertaining because we have a blast doing this podcast. That we do. That being said, thank you for listening to This, this Family, Family Tree, Tree podcast. podcast, episode 30. Bingo. Bingo.